step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then, Judy discovered ChampaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Life without hope. Now that's living hell. This is what real hope looks like. This is the, the word that those hopeless people need to hear. This is the word that 3,000 people that try to commit suicide today, the 3,000 that will try to commit to tomorrow, 3,000 that will try to commit on Monday, this is the word that they need to hear is that there is hope. It's real superpower. It's hope. There's hope. Welcome to another episode of Victims and Villains. This is the show where we talk nerd, we talk hope, and we speak nothing else. I'm your host, Captain Nostalgia, and welcome. Please help me in welcoming to our show for technically the <laughs> second time, but first time to all you guys, Mr. Joshua Stone from Outward Conversation. What's going on, hey, dude? Uh, thanks for having me back on to, to try this again. Yeah, I will never again try to uh, test try new software <laughs> out. <laughs> that did not go so well. It's like, oh man, where's the file? Because it was a really good conversation. Yeah, and the cool thing is, like, we're probably going to talk about some of the exact same stuff, but like, I don't remember what I said last time, so I'm not going to like try to copy that. I'm just going to answer the questions again. Excited. Fair enough. Yeah, that's always like when you can just like hit restart. It's like going <laughs> fresh in. But uh, let's jump right into it, bro. So tell us a little bit about what Outward Conversation. Cool. Um, Outward Conversation got its start um through me and one other guy. We felt we were called to teach on a uh, smaller scale, a more intimate scale that could um provide people with opportunity to talk about things that maybe they don't feel like they could talk about in their home church. And through doing this, I have encountered a ton of churches that are great at providing places to talk about these things, whether it's uh, being anxious, being angry, being depressed, being suicidal, um, but just most of the churches that I grew up in did not provide an atmosphere to talk about these things. They actually made it more of if you're a Christian and you don't feel the joy that is promised to you in scripture, then you're not really a Christian. So to speak up and say, 
hey, I'm struggling with suicidal thoughts. It is kind of like saying, yeah, I'm not really a Christian. So most Christians I knew kept that stuff bottled in. And um, I just felt like there's no healing in not talking about it because that's biblical. Confess your sins to one another so that you may be healed. Um, And we really just wanted to create an atmosphere where these questions could be asked and these things could be talked about. So we started doing that, and we didn't really know what it was going to look like, and uh, it ended up being really cool. We just started going into people's houses or people's churches and doing small groups, and we didn't really have any age group in mind. So like we went, one of the very first nights that we did, um, there was like 12 people there, and uh, me, the other guy teaching, and one other guy in the church were, like, the only people there that were under 60 years old. And, like, I had never taught to that age group before, but it turned out really well because, like, they have good experience in life because they've lived. And um, it was just really great conversation, and we just saw from that night forward, like, God was going to do incredible things with it. And uh, over the past year and a half, like there's been a lot of really cool things happen. A lot of people that have been set free from uh, just the spirit of rejection or anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, whatever it could be, just that hopelessness. Like One of the biggest things that we want to get across to people is in the kingdom of God, hopelessness does not exist. That's good. And if you guys go back all the way to episode 52, where we had spent the entire episode talking about the importance of mental health, that was definitely one issue that we had kind of addressed, um, you know, talking about how the church views depression and suicide. And so how did you guys actually kind of come up with this concept? Because this is there's nothing else out there that's really like that, um, that, you know, just people getting invited to be open and, and, and share about it because some of our listeners might have been burnt yeah. by the church. Some of our listeners might have a view of what the church actually is not because of, you know, misrepresentation. So how did you guys kind of say this is this is the formula that we, we want to go with? Well, one thing that we do like to add in, and it is more of a uh, con now than it is like something positive but I thank God that he can use everything for his glory but it did start out with a point of being angry at the church that we wanted to provide something that we felt the church had screwed up on so um through going in with that attitude but still going in with prayer God kind of pointed us in the hey you need to partner with the church not try to take away from the church um, so we've been able to do that a lot more and that anger has uh, has went away but I definitely know what it's like to be burnt out by the church or be hurt by the church and um, I just want to encourage you if that's where you are right now like you need to seek God and let go of that because 
there's no healing in holding on to anger. There's no healing in holding on to bitterness. But the way um, Outward Conversation really started doing what we do, uh, it was confusing. I took a, a two-month mission trip to Kurawasi, Peru. And while I was down there, um, I was just praying. I was like, God, what do you want me to do when I get home? And he was like, I want you to teach. And I was like, what does that look like? And while I'm praying, uh, God brought the other guy to my mind. His name is Dylan Charles. And um, he was like, take him with you. And uh, I was like, I still don't know what that looks like. Um, teaching wasn't really something that I did very well. But, you know, God doesn't require you to do something well for you to do it. Uh, he just requires you to be obedient so um, I start talking to him through email while I'm in Peru which is a very long drawn out thing because there was only like internet cafes that I could only go to for like half hour per day so we tried to plan this thing out as we could and um, we just kind of kind of agreed that whenever I got home we were going to start meeting at this coffee shop and we were gonna talk about the things that we were struggling with and when we got done talking about them we were gonna take those conversations to a small group setting and um, so we just start having honest conversation with each other and uh, thinking back on it now I feel bad for some of the other people that were in these coffee shops because like these conversations got like they were loud sometimes because, like, we were going through things. And, like, we didn't ever argue over anything, but we would agree with what each other was saying very loudly. And then we would respond. Like, it got it, it got intense. So we, so we were, like, talking about, like, what it means to truly be spiritual free, spiritually free, what it means to let go of suicidal thoughts, what it means to not let anger control you, all of these things. And we were just writing down, like, what... God was teaching us through these conversations and then we took these conversations out to other people and one of the uh, things that surprised me and I know it's God completely is people letting us into their homes that didn't know us with, with just me either posting online like trying to explain what we're trying to do or sending out emails telling people like hey um, we feel called to talk about spiritual freedom um, you can like we don't have to make it a public thing you just get whoever you want to get at your house and we'll be there and like it just sort of kicked off from there and it was really cool to see God move through something that a year and a half in still really doesn't fully make sense, but God is working. Yeah, and just about the coffee shop real quick before we move on to the questions, nothing goes better with coffee than talks of suicide yes, and depression. Yes, exactly, and you know, talks of, ang talks of being anxious while putting caffeine in your body. Exactly. So you guys are getting, or you actually, I think you get now, since we've had you on last and since we did Flood City with you guys, um, you guys have actually now kind of gone into somewhat of a 
not really abandoning this format of kind of open conversation and talking about these things, but it's more um, explain to us the storytelling aspect. Of what okay, um, the storytelling aspect is mainly just me. Um, the other guy that I started with, uh, he's in college now, and uh, he's doing a lot of things like. So we don't do a ton together anymore. Uh, he still does stuff under the same banner of outward conversation. He's probably going to have teachings um, online soon because he's going to school for all of that stuff. So he's going to be doing a lot of like uh, YouTube channels and all that. Um, so he'll still be there for those. But the storytelling set is not taking away from the uh, open conversation format. It's just a way to include something else. My heart is still for the open conversation format, and that's still what is going to happen most of the time. But most of the people that I know are involved in the touring scene, whether it's uh, spoken word poetry or acoustic bands or hardcore bands. Like, um, they all tour, and uh, that's kind of where I came from as well and I'm still very active with those people and um, I've gotten offers to like be involved in their concerts as far as outward conversation goes but with just the open conversation format which can take anywhere from one hour to it's gone up to four hours before like you can't really do that at a concert because you know, set times and stuff. So, um, I was praying on something that I could bring to, uh, to concert setting. And, um, God just kind of brought to me, like, how much stories mean to me, uh, whether it's, like, fictional stories or, like, biblical stories or, like, whatever it is. Like, I get spiritually fed through stories. And, um, so I started thinking of like stories that really inspired me and uh the biggest one for me is Peter's life just like kind of being a screw up to being called by Jesus to like still being a screw up but like God uses him to do incredible things just because he's willing to obey like he doesn't let go of that calling and um so I began to write first-person perspective stories of Peter and first-person perspective stories of the prodigal son. And I have a couple more ideas. Like, I really want to write a first-person perspective story of Judas as well, um, but I haven't started on that one yet. But I sh share these stories uh, in the form of, like, spoken word at concerts now, and I throw in some teaching as well just to be able to condense um, the thought process of what we try to do and what we try to teach about you know God can God can use you God can use whoever God can you are never too far from God to turn around and come home and um, just to condense these thought processes down to a 10 to 20 minute set that can fit on a concert but um, most of our tours and stuff that we're planning for the rest of the year are still the open conversation format and it'll be just like uh, so far the rest of the year looks like 
unless God changes things. We're going to be talking about complacency, spiritual complacency, and why it's so hard to let go of fear. That's awesome. And so the storytelling aspect of it, and I know you guys really aren't kind of like getting into too much, but uh, what is the process like kind of taking these first story? Like, I mean, is it presented almost like spoken word or is it like, like for someone that, that has not experienced outward conversation, how are the stories kind of like in a live aspect? How are they kind of told and what's the writing kind of process of bringing these things from thought to paper to stage? Okay, um, so I've only done it three times now. <clears throat> but uh, the process of coming up with it was how to make it personal. Um, my thought going into it was we have heard these stories growing up over and over and over again, whether it's Jesus calling out the Twelve or um, the Prodigal Son and all of that, but through a great talk with my friend, and I believe you guys know him too, uh, Josh from the Let God Die podcast, um, we talked about it's not good to assume that everyone has grown up hearing these stories. So from that point, I began to approach it from these are stories that I grew up hearing, but they never really became personal to me. And I think doing them from a first-person perspective makes them more personal because to the people that are present, it's like they're hearing it from like, a man, I was there. I was walking on the water with Jesus. And like, um, so what I've been doing the three times that I have performed them, I've only done the one about the prodigal son one time because it's still kind of in the process of being written, but I went ahead and did it anyways. Uh, I've done the one about Peter three times <coughs> and, um, <clears throat> what I've done is gotten everybody to close their eyes and just like not pay attention to any sort of performance or not pay attention to like what else is happening in the room and just try and put themselves in the story. And the story goes like from Peter's childhood to him becoming too old to be able to follow a teacher to Jesus saying, Hey, follow me. And like going to like him saying, Jesus, if that's really you, let me walk out on that water with you all the way to him denying Jesus three times to Jesus asking him, Simon, do you love me three times? And just to show that there's power in God's redemption. And um, then I normally go straight into uh, just, uh, just explaining like you are not too far from God's love to to be redeemed like you haven't screwed up too much like even Judas could have been redeemed like you haven't gone too far and I try to create that atmosphere in hopes that the open conversation format 
will come after my set is over, even if it's on a very small scale, like just a one-on-one, and that's already happened a couple times through doing this, is the goal for it was just to provide a platform for me to speak just long enough that it'll either encourage someone to have a conversation with me or just encourage people to have conversations with each other about what was talked about. That's awesome. So, last time we technically had you on the show, we also um, we also had not only touched on our conversation, but we'd also talked on actually had you guys close uh, the episode. Uh, so, tell us about Mountains and the Seas. Mountains and the Seas is a worship band that came from our old hardcore band called The Helper. Um, It was pretty much all of the same people except for one guy that was in The Helper is not a part of this project. And then um, we, we added on one or two more people who have since then quit. Um, But uh, we started out playing since we came from hardcore bands, we started out playing with uh, anything from like hardcore bands to uh, we played a a lot of stuff with uh, spoken word artists like either Chris Bernstorff, Levi the Poet, um, just that community of people that had the heart to really seek after God, because if you hear our album, which, uh, Mountains in the Seas album, Create in Me, is on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, YouTube, all that stuff. Um, if you hear the album, it's not really a, uh, performance-based album. There's a couple upbeat songs that even, looking back on now, like, those are the songs that we want to change, but, uh, most of the album is like a a really slow intimate atmosphere and um, the goal of it was lyrically what do you want to say to God so every song is kind of a prayer and then even further from that the goal was when we played concerts to not be performance based we encourage the audience or whoever's there to, you know, they don't have to come up front, they don't have to be by the stage to find a spot where you're comfortable just being with God, and um, one of the coolest experiences that we've had with that I believe was either 2014 or 2015, Chris Bernstorff did a uh, quad CD release show uh, there were four bands and or three bands and then him over the course of two days that were each putting out a CD or an EP so he did kind of a two day thing and had like eight bands on each night and uh, he put us on the uh, closing of each night and uh, we ended up having to drop one of the nights to get back home but the first night of it we closed and it was pretty much all hardcore so all heavy bands and then we come up and uh, no one had really heard us by that point because we didn't have the album out or anything 
and um, all the other bands all night have been really heavy, hardcore, like beatdown bands, and then we come up and just open with nothing but the blood of Jesus. And just to see an entire room full of kids like who have been like going crazy all night, having fun, jumping on each other, all that good stuff, just to see them seek the presence of God and like not be scared to like get on the floor or lay on their face or huddle up in groups of two or three people and like just pray with each other and like no one was really paying attention to what we were doing and like that was the atmosphere that we tried to create is hey let us provide background ambience and you seek the father That's so awesome. And I don't even know, like, know where to go after that story. Um, but you guys can click the links below and check out uh, Mountains and the Seas. Yeah, I, I don't know where where to go after that. So let's 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 talk about some nostalgia. All right, so. Uh, Lots of diehard uh, fans of the 1994 classic The Lion King were thrilled when it was announced that original actor, Mufasa actor, James Earl Jones would be reprising his role. And we've gotten news of roles being filled in here and there. And now we have our Zazu taking over the role from Mr. Bean actor Roland Atkinson will be HBO personality John Oliver. What are your thoughts on this the original Lion King was probably my favorite movie growing up and I still love it um, it was actually probably a few months ago that I went back and rewatched it and like I still loved every bit of it um, so to hear that they were redoing it it was kind of oh that's cool and also <clears throat> I really hope it doesn't suck because like now kids <clears throat> like whatever I'm already starting to become that old man that's like man things were better back in my day like and I'm only 24 years old but um like kids now whenever we say Lion King like they're gonna think about this one and uh so I really hope it'll it'll stand up to that but it's really cool that James Earl Jones is coming back. Yeah, it is. And, I mean, you're not alone in, like, you know, the, the good old days talking about that. We talk about it all the time on here. You guys can also, cheap plug, go check out the PS Midnight cast, the show where we're only chasing the 90s and darkness comes to die. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, like... This is an interesting choice to for for someone to play uh, Zazu. Um, I had never heard this guy speak before, and he's like super yeah. British. And I don't like. It's been a. It's been probably about a year, year and a half since I've watched uh, Lion King. I don't really remember Zazu being British, yeah. but Mr. Bean was British, so it's like I don't know. Like, think he's a good fit um, for, for Zazu? 
I'm, I hope so. I'll put it that way. I really want it to work, but like, like, I know there's a ton of actors who can like cover up their accents extremely well to like do what they need. Um, so I'm hoping like, like, I mean, for all I know, we could see it when it happens and like, wow, that's him. Like, that doesn't even sound like him. And, uh, so like, I'm sure the, the people over it aren't, <laughs> this is gonna sound like very critical, aren't consciously trying to make bad choices. So I'm trusting that they know what they're doing. Yeah, and I think that, I, again, this is this is a gentleman that is probably most known for just doing the HBO version of the Tonight. I guess is that Tonight Show, like the like the very satirical, um, you know, kind of like news version yeah. of it. And so that's kind of what he's gone. And we've seen in the past that like it's yet while these are actors. Like it's gonna be either a they put like talk show hosts have put in good performances. They've also put in bad performances. So I'm just I'm hoping I'm optimistic that this gentleman because I had never watched this show and when I was doing the research for this episode I like caught uh, a glimpse of kind of his humor and like he made me chuckle a couple times. So I think that. This is going to be something that I'm like you, hoping that it they know what they're doing yeah. and and they're taking their time with it. But this is also the, from the people that did the uh, the Jungle Book. So you look and you see the the talent that, that the talent that they got. You know whether you're talking about uh, Bill Murray, Christopher uh, Walken, Elba, Christopher yeah. Walken. Scarlett yeah. Johansson, like that was just such a packed, and like all the voices fit yeah. perfectly. So I, I'm thinking that hopefully we're getting the same thing yeah. with this one. Um, my only, but it does sad. My only, oh no, I'm sorry, you're fine. I was no. just thinking my only complaint there. I hope, like, acting was spot on for Jungle Book. I hope in Lion King storyline is done better than Jungle Book was. I felt Jungle Book kind of lacked storyline and then the ending was just kind of forced. But it was still a very entertaining movie. Not seen Jungle really? Book yet. Really? And I, I like I, I only like I know yeah. the actors because of like the yeah. trailer. So like it actually like, made me kind of sad because I wanted it to be better because it had potential to be better. Have you seen the new uh, Tarzan? I know they came out at about the same time. I have not. And Tarzan was done by Warner yeah. Brothers. Um, it was supposed to be like uh, more along the lines of like the original like, yeah. 1930s, 1940s comics. I saw both of those that... within the the few weeks of each other, so I couldn't help but comparing them in my mind. And Tarzan, I I felt was just done way better as far as storyline goes. Acting was perfect for Jungle Book. I thought it was really good. Yeah, and I mean, you have right now, you have James Earl Jones, you have John Oliver as Zazu, you have Donald yeah. Glover as Which Simba. I'm excited about. Uh, 
I like Donald Glover a lot. Yeah. Donald Glover is a, a perfect fit yeah. for Simba. They've also... I feel like they've also named um, more actors that are involved in this, but I can't remember if it's like who John Fabro wants as these people or who they've actually signed to it. Because I feel like I've heard stories of both Nala and Scar, but I don't remember any like official yeah. castings for it. So I was seeing if I could pull anything up, but I'm yeah, I'm not sure. It does sadden me that the generation that is growing up right now that they will refer to as this the movie line. as yes. yes. Yeah. I never even thought about that yep. until you said that. And that also made me think about the new Jumanji as well. Like that's going to be the same thing. You can't be the classic no, though. No, you can't. You can't. Let's uh Moving right into, I, I have no sense. <laughs> All right, so we also got a look at uh, Independent. It's this. This is weird because like this is like an American film, but it's like Swedish at the same time. Uh, they're they're they have a trailer that just dropped here recently for the film Borg versus <coughs> Mick, uh, McEnroe, and tells the story of the nineteen early eighties rival tennis rivalry between. Uh, the guy's first name I'm not going to try and pronounce, which is Borg, and then John McEnroe. Um, dropped the trailer for it this week. Let's talk about this trailer. What are your thoughts? I on this had trailer? not heard of this until you told me to go watch the trailer, so I did that, and I was instantly pleased because although I don't watch everything that he does because some of it's really weird, I do like Shia LaBeouf as an actor um, whenever it's not a a weird movie um, so I was ex- excited to see him in it and um, from what I saw in the trailer I think I'm going to like his character a lot because of the way he's playing it he seemed like he seemed like a perfect actor for that. I don't know too much of the true story. I don't know much about like tennis. I know who McEnroe is, um, but that was about it on that. But uh, overall, it it looks like it's going to be a really good story, even if you don't, I guess, necessarily care about tennis that much. Yeah, and I think that uh, I think that LaBeouf was a perfect guy to to take on the role of uh, John McEnroe uh, because I just there I don't know how many scenes I, I think Transformers and um, just I feel like whenever he yeah, freaks out that tantrum in films that that captures the heart of of John yeah. McEnroe perfectly and. I just remember the scene from Mr. Deeds with John yeah, McEnroe. Yeah, I was thinking it. about that too. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's very much Shia LaBeouf. And I I didn't really think that he looked like McEnroe because McEnroe has always had short blonde hair in my mind. But I actually went and pulled up like pictures from like this rivalry and the two of them look almost exactly alike. And Dang, it's I'll, have to, I'll have to look at that. But... This trailer, like, uh, LaBeouf's performance in this trailer is 
it's good to see him kind of grow past doing mainstream Hollywood because most people know him from either Disney Channel or Transformers, and I think that he shines better when he's in like these smaller yeah. films. I, um, like I remember he had done a film early two thousands called Battle Shaker yep. Heights that was no one probably has never heard of, but it was one of his yep. best performances because it was just that really honest coming of age story that that he could really pull off and love that movie. you know um I, it's awesome to actually know someone else <laughs> that knows that movie i have uh followed shia's career i'll put it that way like i said there's yeah, certain things i won't watch just due to the uh sexual things that are in them but um other than that everything that i've been like i'll give that a shot like I've enjoyed it. Yeah, and he actually also did a Disney Channel movie early in his career. I don't remember what it was called, but he played Are you a, about to say exactly what I watched last week? The 2002 one where he played, um, I want to say the kid had autism. Yeah, yes. uh, I actually yeah. just pulled that up the other day to show my friend that movie. Um, that's awesome. It's called yeah, True like, Confessions. Yes. Yeah, that one. Yeah, he and like that's just that again goes to the to to prove the point that this kid who was really known at that time for playing this crazy weirdo Louis mm-hmm. Stevens and even Stevens could pull, pull off something yep. like that, uh, you know, that complex and that touchy of a subject as an actor. And I think that his performance in this one it looks yeah, intense. Um, the the press conference scene was intense yeah. to watch, you know, because we have you know, this idea of what it takes to play tennis, and you know, but people who actually play tennis and train for tennis, like our idea, is completely different than their ideas. And I'd never really thought about it that way. So like this, he just looks like he's really yeah. shining this, and I think that the. Um, the gentleman that pl- is playing Borg, I felt like he, while he didn't really have much lines in this trailer, I felt like that a lot of his emotional, um, like facial features, uh, he pulled off really well. And I feel like if an actor can pull that off, then that is that says something to the yeah. credit. So, Borg versus McEnroe gonna be a good one. When is it supposed to be out? Because all the trailers said that I saw was coming soon. Yep, that's uh, that's what I'm thinking too. I I don't actually know to be honest with you. I have no idea when this trailer out or when when this film comes out. I remember hearing about this film like late 2015, early 2016. So I was like really excited when it popped up in my YouTube feed. Cool. But I guess keep your eyes out for that and stick it in the world of 80s. <laughs> Uh, Wonder Woman is a, one of the most celebrated movies of this year, restoring the faith of critics and fans alike in the DCEU, and talks of a sequel were bound to come up now now or later, and Comic-Con is all but a few weeks out, so news like this that we're getting ready to dive into really isn't that surprising. The bros over at Screen Rant are reporting that Wonder Woman, the sequel, could be heading to the 80s for the Cold War era, and we'll also see Chris Pines as Steve Trevor uh, said to return. So, 
setting Wonder Woman in the 80s, what are your thoughts on that? That was going to be the question that I asked you because I just saw it a couple couple days ago, and I, I thought it was really good. I thought it was a great movie. Um, and uh, I didn't know if the uh, sequel would, like, I guess, come all the way forward to, like, Justice League or if it would still be like just her story or like what was going on there so warning if you guys have not seen Wonder Woman go ahead and fast forward because we're getting ready to talk some spoilers because you've seen Wonder Woman correct okay so yeah we're getting ready to talk some spoilers Steve Trevor dies in the end yeah I was thinking about that too and I think a lot of people are overlooking the fact of a very important and crucial scene at the end of BVS. You've seen BVS too, correct? Batman vs. Yeah, Superman. yeah, yeah, sorry. Good. Okay. There's a scene where Diana and Bruce are talking at Soup's funeral, and she's like, 100 years ago, I walked away from mankind. So, technically speaking, you have the... The World War One, Diana, and then no one sees Wonder Woman until she shows up in Gotham to face Doomsday. Can you really have a film set in the eighties yeah. with Wonder Woman? I'm sorry, I over I I overanalyzed yeah. it. And I looked like and I broke. No, it. no, because um, I was thinking about something else that she said whenever Doomsday. Uh, Appeared, um, whenever uh, I believe Batman or someone said it's a creature from another planet, and she's like, "It's okay, I've killed creatures from other planets before." Uh, like, does that apply to Ares, or like, if she walked away for a hundred years, like, when did this happen? Yeah, and I think that that's definitely a, a something cool to kind of explore, but. I just I feel like setting it in a in a you know kind of in the past not only that but also to bringing in Chris Pine. Don't get me wrong, I loved Chris oh, Pine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Pine was hilarious and the chemistry between him and and Gadot was was everything that you wanted as a comic fan. But I I just I don't want to to really see a sequel that is set in the 80s. Yeah. Um simply for the fact of it that it messes up your continuity. Yeah, too many contradictions. Yes, and and uh, I don't want to, to to see something that's kind of, you know, set in the Cold War because with, you know, the first film exploring World War 1, you have, you know, Cold War obviously is exploring wars of the past, you know, how are you going to set yourself apart from the first film as a sequel if you're going after the same setting. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I would almost just, I guess, rather it be current setting than... But I guess they're going to do that with Justice League anyways. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I feel like, too, for, you know, the first film, it was great because you... you when you talk about Wonder Woman, obviously most people are going to know the the Rogues Gallery as 
uh, Aries is going to be the main guy that you're going to know. But the second is going to obviously be um, obviously second. You're going to have um, Cheetah, but I, and I think that Cheetah would only work really well in a current day setting. So you know, just just that's just my thing. Is as I think a lot of fans want to see Cheetah. I personally want to see Doctor Psycho. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, most people are going to want to see Cheetah. And I feel like if you're going to go after a Cold War, again, you what are you going to do to really set yourself apart? And it doesn't make any sense to me that, you know, Steve Trevor is going to be returning. Yeah. I mean, I guess, and once again, spoiler alert, like, you only saw the plane explode. So, like, I know a, a lot of people, like, play off as, like, well, something happened, but, like, it's kind of a cop-out, I think. If they're like, oh, well, he jumped out, blah, 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 like, why? That's, like, something that we should have known by the end of that, because he wouldn't have hid for, like, 30 years before being like, oh, I'm still alive. <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly, and I think that, too, I think that... I think, and I, maybe I'm wrong in, in thinking this, but um, a lot of the the first film in Wonder Woman and a lot of the ca- Captain America definitely almost have kind of like the yeah, same feel. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I think that, you know, whereas the, the second Captain America, which is the best in the series, mm-hmm. Winter Soldier, yep. just my opinion. I agree. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um I think that, you know, it they want to set themselves apart because Civil War or Winter Soldier went right into modern day. And so it's like, oh, well, how are we going to set ourselves apart? Let's set it in the Cold War. I just I hope that they're not – that's not a hang-up for them is, yeah. I guess, what I'm so saying. So is that, like, confirmed or is that just, like, something that's being talked about right now? This is just something that's a rumor right now, and I think that – with like I said, with Comic Con being only but two three weeks away, I think that we are gonna get. Um, actually, I think Comic Con's next week. Anyways, um, I think that you're gonna you're gonna Warner Brothers obviously is gonna make their presence felt. Yeah. At this things, and I think that um, you know what better way to do that than at Comic Con because at Comic Con you're probably gonna be getting. Um, you know, obviously you're another Justice League look. You're probably going to be getting your first look at Aquaman. You're probably going to get announcements revolving around Green Lantern and The Flash and probably the Wonder Woman sequel. Uh, we're getting news, hearing murmurs of, a, you know, the Suicide Squad sequel. Yeah. So I think that a lot of these rumors that are flying around now will probably be answered by the end of the month. But as of right now, this is just a rumor. Okay. <laughs> so we can hope for something better. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, I think a lot of fans want to see Cheetah. And I think that with that, you know, obviously DC's and Warner Brothers both, given the negative reception that Batman vs. Superman and Suicide Squad got, they are very, they're a lot smarter in, in the way that they're handling their properties. Now. Yeah. So I think that. They'll they'll be smarter and listen to the fans. Yeah. obviously. Yeah. But that is going to do it. Hang us hanging out with Mister Stone. Where can people find out more information on Outward Conversation and Mountains and the Seas? Um, 
facebook.com slash outward conversation and facebook.com slash mountains in the seas band um, either of those or add my personal account Josh Stone uh, send me a message I'll give you my phone number whatever we'll just if there's something you want to talk about you want to stay in touch or you're like hey I want to host one of those weird conversations at my house let me know and I'm willing to to go anywhere as far as as long as God's telling me to go I'll go <clears throat> alright and uh, just so you guys know suicide if you if you've you or someone you know right now is listening to this and are struggling with suicide please do not under any circumstances remain quiet because I can promise you from both myself and Josh that have struggled with suicide and depression that remaining quiet is one of the worst things that you can do speak up because if you want to be broken if you want to be free from it you need to speak up suicide is the current 10th leading cause of death in the United States there are 121 suicides that occur daily for every successful suicide that exists, there are 25 more that have been attempted. So that is, just to put that in perspective, that's 3,025 that are being attempted per day with 44,193 occurring, uh, successful suicides occurring last year. And that's actually up from 2015. Uh, that boasted 42,739 people dying from suicide. So that right there is a $1,400, or sorry, 1,400 death difference. Um, and for, like we said, every successful suicide, 25 more have been attempted. So that is 1.1 million suicides attempted. Um, right here in the, our own backyard in the, in the U.S., uh, for every 40 seconds talking internationally, someone somewhere is taking their own lives. So please reach out uh, to either us or our work conversation. Uh, facebook.com slash victims and villains or you guys can reach out to us on victimsandvillains.net slash contact and uh, we can be listening here for you guys we'd love to pray for you guys or even just uh, be the bridge that connects you guys to a church or a counselor yeah. um, you guys can also get in contact with the suicide lifeline anonymously and call 1-800-273-8255 or you guys can also call uh, seven four text seven four one seven four one anonymously and this month we're focusing on uh, other issues that can have the potential of leading to suicide. For the majority of this month, we are focusing on eating disorders. However, for this week, we are sitting down with an independent filmmaker, uh, Jarrett Moretto, talking about his film Stronger Than Pretty. And Stronger Than Pretty deals with uh, domestic violence. And I kind of just want to throw this brief education out there real fast on average nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the united states and during one year this equivalates to more than 10 million men and women uh one in three women and one in four men have been victims of some form of physical abuse violence by an intimate partner within their lifetime one in four women and one in four men have been victims of severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. One and one in seven women and one in eighteen men have been stalked by an intimate partner during their lifetime to the point in which they feel very fearful or believed that they or someone close to them would be uh, 
harmed or killed. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to the domestic violence hotlines nationwide. The presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation increases the risk of homicide by 500%. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all uh, violent crimes and women between the ages of 18 to 24 are most commonly abused by an intimate partner. 19% of domestic violence involves a weapon. Uh, domestic uh, victimization correlated with a higher rate of s- depression and suicidal behavior. And uh, 34% of people who are injured by intimate partners receive medical care for their injuries. And uh, this is reading all all quoted word for word right from the National uh, Coalition Against Domestic Violence. You guys can click the links below and find out a little bit more about it. Josh, thanks for hanging out with us, man. Thank you for having me. It was, it was, it was a good talk. Yeah. So go check out uh, go check out Stronger and Pretty. Go check out Our Conversation. Go check out Mountains and the Seas. And we'll be back on the other side of the Hope Universe with Asia Petty talking about indie comics and more. We'll see you guys on the other side of the Hope Universe. Uh, this week for Hope Speaks Louder, we are getting to sit down with a filmmaker that is making a, has made a very hopeful film, and here to tell us all about it, please welcome director, Mr. Jarrett Martino. How are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you? Good. So let's jump right into this, because this trailer uh, just immediately pulls you in. It's it's a gripping film um, to to be subject matter to be tackling so tell us a little bit about what stronger than pretty is all about sure well um strong i've been an actor since i'm a kid and um you know growing up uh with a single parent uh there was never anything in the in the arts or um in the movies that represented my life you know and gave me hope for um you know the future and you know just to make a to make me feel like i was uh a part of, you know, the rest of society. I always felt like the, the odd one out, especially, you know, growing up, um, you know, with, uh, with the single parent people, uh, you know, auto- automatically put you in a box. And this is, you know, Stronger Than Pretty was made to celebrate women um, and men that have raised children um, and escaped domestic violence situations and, also for the for the children that come from single parent family homes. So with a sub subject like domestic abuse, obviously this is a podcast that deals very heavily with suicide and depression and uh, you know prevention for those things. What made you want to, as a filmmaker, make a film about domestic violence? I mean, um, you know, it's just a, it was a part of my mother's true story. Um, so, you know, I, through producing, I started producing like three years ago. Um, my first project, um, and all my projects since have created awareness for subjects deserving attention. So, um, you know, through being on the other end of the business and and watching people share their hearts and their vulnerability. Um, I always 
did that through a script as an actor. So producing kind of allowed me to, you know, be on the other side for a little bit and, and watch other people and their journey. Um, and it was really through everybody else's strength that I said, um, I finally came forward with my family story and, and wrote Stronger Than Pretty, um, along with Pat Branch, since I have to, uh, I credit her as well. She's a co-writer that I, I brought on um, from the WGA. And, um, yeah, so that's really, you know, through through the vulnerability of just being an artist, being an actor, and, and then, and then you know, watching other people share, um, share their hearts. Uh, you know, and they made it look so easy. <laughs> and it's really, it's, it's a hard thing to share um, your truth. You know, and um, but it, the payoff is how how much it helps other people. That's awesome. So now you had talked about how this very mirrors, you know, reality that you had faced kind of growing up. Was filming for this filming for this film was it kind of hard to to kind of see those things acted out again? Did it like bring oh. up kind of like old things? Uh, for sure, yeah. I mean, this whole story, you know, to be in all honesty, has put me in therapy, um, and it's in the best way possible. You know, it, it's not like it's it's been my own healing process. You know, from writing the first draft was just from like a therapeutic piece almost, just to get it out. And it's a story that you know I have vivid memories of um, some of the uh, the domestic violence that went on. Luckily, my mom. You know, brought us out of the house. Um, my brother and, and, and my sister and I. Um, I was just six years old, so I don't remember too much. But um, yeah, it was definitely you know recreating. Um, it's funny how closely uh, you know it did mirror um, you know the filming during the production. Um, my my own reality so yeah that definitely was hard but day by day it just gets easier and easier at this point I sometimes talk about starting and pretty in the third person um, we're three years later and uh, you know it's I'm a little bit detached from the emotional part of, of what went on because now I'm dealing with you know helping um other people that do resonate with the story and since the story is so vulnerable to tell it's inspired so many people to um to share their heart and, and to share their truth and and that's why i created inner warrior too it's um an extension of stronger than pretty it's on the same platform and that's a collection of survival stories so you know um anything and everything that people have endured and survived through is up on Inner Warrior, and uh, that was one of the best and hardest days of my life. I mean, that casting for that project, you know, um, sharing at that level, like I said, I mean, is never easy, and uh, the beautiful part was watching, you know, even though the stories were so wildly different, car accidents and DWI and cancer three times over, and paraplegic, you know, um, there's, everybody's story ended up uh, being the same in terms of 
that moment they decided to fight and make a life, you know, for themselves and, and survive through whatever it was they were going through. So that was why I was actually my next question was uh, the the inner warrior. So now, is inner warrior is it like a anthology piece or is it more uh, along the lines of a documentary or like a, almost like a reenactment or like a, a series of these stories being told? It's a docu series, so um, you know the plan is I have a crowdfunding campaign happening right now for for stronger than pretty to keep building the audience and for inner warrior to get the word out there and. Um, you know, obviously, to raise some of the part of the finance um, for the next episode of Inner Warrior and for the development of um, Stronger Than Pretty's feature film. Right now, it's a short. So, um, yeah, it's a docu series, and you know, through exposing Inner Warrior, we have so many people, so many people that um, want to share and, and be a part of the next episode. So now, what has the the response been like to uh, these two projects? Because these two projects, it definitely sounds like you are bringing forth a light into an otherwise darker situation. Because I know growing up, um, my mother was very open with us. She was sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, she would talk about, you know, the the struggle of remaining quiet about it. So... Are you finding that projects like these, as just as a simply as a filmmaker, getting a voice out there for these kind of things, that people are uh, opening up more about these situations and actually getting the help and moving out of fear? Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think that we live in a time that people want to share their voice. I think, um, you know, at some point it was... It was like really taboo to talk about these things. Domestic violence, especially, has been one of the least talked about subjects. It's always swept under the rug, it's, along with with sexual assault. It all, you know, any type of abuse like that, um, uh, people people shy away from because um, it is vulnerable to talk about. But I think that there's more and more of that happening, and um, it's good because it's all about communication getting it out there you know if we don't communicate then and we don't let these things out then they just fester and we become as unhealthy as as what we're we're not talking about so yeah i think it's a it's a beautiful thing and it's like it's very timely where we're at politically and socially i think giving people a voice and a platform is is really important now you had mentioned right now that Stronger Than Pretty is in fact a short film and you guys are looking to expand that to a feature film. As a filmmaker, what does that look like as far as kind of expanding the, that character's journey? Oh god. It really, I mean on the indie level it takes it takes a village. Um, you know, I've accomplished like uh, 10 shorts so far and music videos and whatnot and we've screened in over 200 festivals worldwide and won a bunch of awards but and, and that takes you know a village as well but um the feature and getting the exposure and people to care about it you know you're competing with the studios and but um that's also shifting right now you know people want people want to be connected and they want they want to share and they want a story that has a heartbeat um you know these blockbusters 
keep uh, bombing. So they, it's it's a really good time for for independent filmmakers. It doesn't take away the part that it's it's hard all around. I mean, I've listened to uh, Elizabeth Banks at the Produced by Conference and and so many other you know prominent uh, producers at production companies, and they they all say the same thing. It's just it's a different level, obviously, of producing, but. Um, it, it's a hard job. You have to get people to care about what the mission, you know, is and theme and, and everything else and, and build your audience. And, and that's kind of where we're at right now. We've had um, a recent write-up in Huffington Post, local, local press, and, uh, you know, screenings between Los Angeles and New York and obviously Sundance. Um, so yeah, we're, it's about building the audience and, and, you know, right now with the crowdfunding campaign, we're up on Seed and Spark. That's kind of been getting more interest, um, from co-production companies and some finance people. Um, and so the next phase of this whole thing will just be figuring out, am I doing this solely independent, you know, as just my production company or am I going to take, um, another, um, production company and, and just uh, figure out, you know. My main goal is a theatrical release um, with a sale to HBO, Netflix, and Amazon. So um, whatever way I can make that happen will be the, the next phase of this whole thing. I think that as far as a culture, we're definitely phasing into that streaming era now. And um, I was just, you know, surfing Netflix last night. You have, now you have all of these really issues that have like you had said like been taboo in our culture for so long whether you're talking uh, suicide or depression or uh, sexual assault like that are starting to now make their way more prominently on there so I, I know that not from first hand but I know that from you know knowing friends whose parents have gone through domestic violence and um, you know obviously that is an issue that can spar into many other issues, whether you're talking drug abuse, alcoholism, uh, depression, suicide, sexual assault, all these other taboo areas, hot topics that need to be addressed. So with a feature film, would, uh, would we be also expecting to see something along those lines to kind of expand that character's story and maybe even address some other topics like that? I'm sorry. So, with within stronger than pretty, or you're saying within my other work? Uh, within stronger than pretty, going to the a more larger scale. Um, I mean, the story since it's based on it's based on true events. Um, you know, I quickly wanted to focus on the empowerment of of the film. You know, there's such a stamp and a stigma that comes with this type of story and the fact is is that you know Hollywood's done it where they give a weapon to the woman or you know um, she takes up karate or something where she could defend herself but we don't ever really see the reality of how people build a life for themselves and then their children and that's really um, that's really the, the main focus. We have the one scene of domestic violence, but I, I really quickly wanted to move on from that. All right. So 
if people are and you had mentioned about you know crowdfunding if people are interested in getting more involved with stronger than pretty and inner warrior where can people do that um well the stronger than pretty.com and that has um we just partnered with the national coalition against domestic violence so you could see um you know more statistics there as far as you know everything they have up on their site and then on stronger than pretty.com is the trailer the short inner warriors up on there uh, we have some empowering products available and also the seed and spark link um, which is where we're currently crowdfunding and there's some really cool incentives that I, I wanted to make it different um, since crowdfunding doesn't really align with me a hundred percent but really just you know going about this as an indie uh, production company it is necessary um, so there's you know IMDB credits, on-screen credits that we're offering, and um, different ways to to show your support and and get involved. You know, I, I really wanted to include everybody and and um, you know make it make it a platform that everybody can engage and um, and be a part of. So um, yeah, strongerthanpretty.com as has everything that you know all the links that, that people can browse through. cool well uh, you guys can click all the links below there and get involved with what he's doing we'll also have statistics down there so you guys can learn about more about how big of an issue domestic violence really is in our country and in our culture Jarrett thank you for hanging out with us man oh thanks so much I appreciate it alrighty we'll check, go check out Stronger and Pretty and we're transitioning out of the Hope Universe Alright, welcome back to Victims and Villains We're still hanging out, still talking hope And this next guest, we did a review of the book Who is Darius Key And please help me in welcoming to the show now Adrian Asia Petty Hey, how you doing Josh? Good. So, for those of you guys that have not actually heard of who is Darius Key, uh, okay. Well, Darius Key is an old school demon hunter. He's been doing what he does for a very long time, and he has reached a point in his life where he is aware that it's time to pass on the mantle to someone else. And that's where this story picks up where he gets his protege and he begins instructing him on the ins and outs of demon hunting and paranormal adventure life. And that's the basic gist of what's going on. Okay, so Darius Key, for those that have not picked up the comic book yet, is, would you guys even, I guess that's a good place to start, would you guys even consider this really a comic book? (laughs) That's actually a very good question because uh, the format of it is very um, ambiguous. I refer to it as a photo novel in the sense that the cover is uh, your traditional um, illustration, but the actual content, everything in there is photography with live actors and live settings. 
That's probably a more accurate way of putting it, the photo novel. How did you kind of come up with the concept for bringing something like that to to print, so to say? Well, um, one of our uh, earlier offerings was uh, called a book called Avoria, which was um, also done with a cover that is illustrated and the contents are photography, but that was done in a fumetti style. And for those who are not aware, uh, fumetti was a very popular um, format in, in Italy back in the 70s, where everything was photography. But it was still in a comic book format. I actually did the fumetti style um, because I wasn't in a position to where I could do a more traditionally illustrated comic book at the time and I actually liked it so I decided to do it again and play with the genre a little bit more and play with the formatting a little bit more and that's where Darius Key came from alright alright so what has the you guys have if you guys done like conventions yet to, to kind of really bring this uh, out in front of people uh, for Darius Key, no. Um, I was actually caught uh, right after I got it in off the press. I had to move. I was in Georgia for several years, and now I'm in Texas. So I haven't uh, had an opportunity to hit the convention circuit yet with Darius Key, but I'd like to do so um, hopefully before the end of the year and start getting the word out about who we are and what we're doing here in Texas and especially with Darius Key because I'm really excited about um, seeing how people are going to respond to it yeah and I I will say that when we first kind of started talking about doing the review for and having you guys come on the show I was not expecting what I got from Darius Key and (laughs) I'm I'm hoping that fans that are going to pick this up are going to feel the same way because there, there's a lot going on in the world of indie comics, but there's not a lot in the world of indie comics that is like Darius Key. I don't think that I've ever picked up anything, um, aside from a couple issues of Swamp Thing, that was very much like Darius Key. So, I very much enjoyed Darius Key. Uh, but let's kind of jump on to uh, some other projects that you actually have as well on the Facebook right now. Uh, tell us a little, bit, a little bit about some of the other uh, projects from Jericho uh, Projects. Well, um, what we did with our relaunching, if you want to call it that, back in 2008 is a book called Miss Johnny, which is a more traditional comic book. Um, we started out with a preview issue, and we did a four-issue story arc. Um, that took five, six years to get through all five books. Um, and that's what we really used to establish ourselves on the indie convention circuit. And Miss Johnny deals with a housewife who one day has her daughter get kidnapped and she's on a mission to locate her missing child. And 
in order to do so, she, in effect, has to become a superhero to accomplish this feat. With no actual superpowers or super abilities, just a whatever she can do naturally and whatever alliances she can forge. Cool. And it looks like you guys also have one more book here. Uh, eight, I'm probably going to butcher the, the pronunciation of this name. Uh, Avor, Avora? Avoria. Okay, yeah, that one. Avoria. Yeah. Yeah, Avoria is the uh, book that um, I had mentioned earlier, uh, which is the Fumetti book. That deals with a woman who has died and comes back to life. Uh, and Avoria is a character that's actually based on my wife, Stacy. And she is the star of the book. She is the angel um, that is in the live photography. And she also helped with a lot of the direction of the book as well. A lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. That is so cool because we, we've only ever had... We've had a lot of comic creators on here that have, like, created stuff but never that they've created after, like, a significant other. So that's pretty sweet, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a fun project. It was uh, challenging um, uh, because she was helping with the actual uh, production process is as well as um, in front of and behind the scenes and the costuming and everything else. Um, and uh, I literally could not have done it without her because she literally was the inspiration for that character. And the fact that she helped me to bring it to life, um, in a sense, she really is a co-creator of the character. Uh, that was really exciting and, and really different for us. That's cool. So for for something, it, now it's it, the style is called Fermetti, correct? Yes, Fermetti. Okay, so do you find that like doing a traditional comic book like Miss Johnny or doing something along the lines of Darius Key? Do you find that those what do you find that the Fermetti takes longer is a longer process to do than it's say a traditional comic book? Um, for me. I would say it's about equal uh, in terms of the, the time frame that it takes to do it. Now with Darius, um, and I'll be more specific, with Darius Key, uh, from the actual, con- the actual initial concept where I sat in the kitchen and I told my wife Stacy, you know, I got an idea about this character. He is... Very arrogant, very headstrong, a little bit knowledgeable, and he's kind of stupid. <laughs> and Stacy looked at me and said, so this character is based on you. Nice. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> now, from the time that happened in 2012 to the time I actually got the books in my hand uh, was a fi- like a five-year process, four or five-year process. And uh, between the writing and the production, because as you know, us indie indie producers, we have to have day jobs. <laughs> yep. And because that's how we pay the bills. So, 
yeah, but um, but I would say it's definitely about equal. So doing a, kind of like the Fermetti style, is it almost the equivalent of kind of you know, making a film where you guys have, uh, you know, the storyboards like kind of like lined out and say, all right, well, this is what we want to do for the right side of the page that is going to be the still shot and this is what we want to do for the words. Is that what you guys kind of had to do, kind of making the process of getting the concept from, you know, actual like paper to shooting it? Exactly. Um, everything had to be um, scripted out. Everything had to be storyboarded out um, in terms of, okay, this is what's going on page one. This is page two. And it, it um, in, the, in the sense of traditional comic books, it did have to follow that format. Now, there were some challenges uh, that you get that you don't get with traditional comics because you can literally draw whatever you like in any kind of scene you like in a traditional book, but you don't have that ability with live photography um, all the time, like especially with special effects. And you have to tweak things in Photoshop to make it look a certain way. And if you want a certain background setting, you have to actually go there instead of draw it. And there are one or two times where I did have the background I wanted where I had to go somewhere and I got kicked out because they didn't like me taking pictures there. But, um, so we have to work around it and, and do what we have to do because, uh, yeah, a, a lot of it, I, I just did guerrilla style in order to get the, um, the look that I wanted. What paid off for you, because, it, like I said, Darius Key is, is a unique experience, and I'm I'm praying that people are, are hearing us talk about this now, and that they're clicking the links below and, and purchasing this from you guys. Um, mm-hmm. But what what is it kind of like, what, and I'm sorry to like, kind of like, go through all the, the process, because like, but it's just a fascinating no. thing. Feel free, feel free. Um, what is kind of like the process for you guys to for the specific scenes that you guys do because it it almost like the page goes through a, a you know a good chunk of you know dialogue and and stuff along those lines and and development what is what is it about you know specific portions of those scenes that you say this is the one that we want to to capture and and to be our our still for for this specific page um, well, I would section out the pages. Um, the book is 50 pages long and section out the pages in blocks. And I would find the specific, uh, area of that particular scene that I wanted to focus on. And that's what I decided was going to be the splash page. And to give the viewers a better idea, I actually have the book here. And as you can see, this is all the dialogue and text and the setup and the um, page right next to it is going to be what it's describing. And that is a very creepy picture of me playing Darius Key. I actually don't even like looking at it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and there were times where I actually did not get the picture that I wanted even after everything, and I 
because I had um, a production schedule. And I was um, thinking that I was going to get all these pictures on certain days, but you have to coordinate schedules with your actors. And there was one actor, um, uh, the guy who played uh, Maxwell Lightfoot, uh, which would be this gentleman. His name's Spidey Womack. He's an actor slash uh, musician. And by the way, he's uh, actually going to be in the next movie for Pitch Perfect and that franchise. He's going to be in Pitch Perfect 3. Awesome. Uh, he's an incredible drummer. Uh, he's done all kind of um, work. And like for this particular scene here, I had one image in mind and I didn't get it uh, because uh, Spidey couldn't coordinate his schedule. So this picture that I actually ended up using was just a, a throwaway that I was just taking pictures of him as a test. And I decided, well, I'm going to alter the story a little bit, which I did, and I used this picture that I was actually not even planning on using uh, to, in order to fit in the storyline. And fortunately, it worked out really well. That's cool. And it does. The The story flows a lot. And I think one thing that I really enjoyed about this story was the, the development of the characters. Um what is the like how long did did it did it did they kind of evolve from concept to actual final product yeah um like i gave you a, a basic background for darius and his uh companion who is the young lady next to me uh is frida eves and that was played by um an actress named Wanda, and some of you might recognize her uh, from TV because she was on True TV in the uh, reality show of South Beach Toe, okay. and she played Wanda. And she was a wonderful lady who agreed to uh, work with me. And her character um, evolved because I needed someone for Darius to play off of I wasn't necessarily interested in them having a romantic relationship or beginnings of a romantic relationship because you see that all the time. I mean, Iron Man has his pepper pots, uh, Batman has his Vicky Vale, and we all know who Superman has. And I really wanted to focus on the friendship, and I, I and I wanted Frida to be strong enough to be a character on her own. And not just the love interest of. And and I think that worked out really well um, for her. And, and the way that the story progressed as well. And I wanted to also focus on the idea that not all women have to look like something that walked on a Victoria's Secret runway. I don't think that's realistic. I don't think that's even fair. I wanted to do something that was going to celebrate um, all different types of women and see something that could be more familiar with um, uh, the, the woman that you see in, in real life and not necessarily the woman you see in Vogue magazine. 
and that's where she came from. That's awesome, and and Frida is one of those those characters that I, I really enjoyed, kind of getting into just the just some of the sass that she threw to the the <laughs> between her and Darius was was so entertaining, and it kept it. And so this is this is the one thing that I have to ask as a X Files fan. Um, I'm not sure if you are or not, but like the the closing kind of like journal entries from Darius kind of like yeah. a nod to like at least I viewed him as like a nod to like the Scully like, you know, diary entries from like the first couple of seasons. Uh-huh. Any any like nods there or is that just a happy coincidence? Well, um in terms of the X Files, I I did watch a couple of episodes um of X Files. Quite honestly, I was really thinking more of the Punisher and his war journal and the way that he would document his thought processes. Um, and that's really kind of what inspired me in the Darius Key journal entries. That's fair. That's fair. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, let's jump in and talk in some stories with you, man, while we got you here. You, t- you, you talked about... Uh, some Batmans, you know, your Iron Mans, so I'm wondering if you're a uh, Arrow fan at all. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch a lot of television. Uh, um, I can't say that I'm into Arrow. Um, that character uh, that is based on uh, Green Arrow is he's pretty interesting. Um, but if you want to know what I do watch on TV, I, I really do like what I'm seeing with Jessica Jones. Jessica Jones was a fantastic so, show. Mm-hmm. I do like what I'm seeing with Luke Cage. And uh, I've caught a few uh, episodes of Daredevil. Um, which which um, really, I thought, captured his essence as well yeah yeah i i i got into like the first season of daredevil loved it and i know i started the second season never finished it yeah. everyone gives me crap for it <laughs> oliver queen actor Stephen amell kind of confirmed that this past weekend that the return of slade wilson is inevitable but uh Oh, you mean the the ter- Deathstroke, Deathstroke Terminator? Yeah, Deathstroke the Terminator. He's coming yep. back. And um, since you haven't seen it, like I don't want to spoil anything for you. So I don't know what to do. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Feel free. Just talk. Uh, well, I I mean, my my pretty much my two cents on this is the guy that they got playing him is is perfect. Um, Manu Bennett. Um, I can't really think of anything. He's done The Hobbit, uh, Spartacus. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's such a, he's a really talented dude. As long as we don't get a repeat of his season three appearance, I think he's going to be on the right track. Um, okay. Hopefully for okay. for that. And you're you're if you ever do decide to start Arrow, season two is where it's at. But you have to watch season one to appreciate season two, um, and then the mm. show kind of falls apart for the next two seasons. Okay. So, if if you ever do decide to watch it, 
All right. I will definitely keep that in mind. All right. Well, uh, I also sent you – I got the chance to, to send you this this in the notes as well. Uh, got our first look at the Justice League villain for Steppenwolf. Um, uh. Batman News sent this over and – kind of curious what you think about it um i didn't get a chance to view it um honestly uh and i'll tell you why go for it because i actually try to keep myself in the dark before i go see a movie um because i want to be surprised and like for instance the last superhero movie i saw was wonder woman and when you're, I mean, in this age of information technology, it's very hard to keep yourself free from spoilers all over the place because, as you know, people are going to throw stuff out there. And um, I am looking forward to what they do with Justice League because uh, it's been a long time, long time coming. Uh, if they can... Um, I don't want to say that I want them to be as, as good as the Avengers. I want them to be the Justice League. I want them to stand on their own as a franchise and do what they do and and just be DC and and let Marvel Disney be Marvel Disney. All right. Have you seen uh, Batman versus Superman: The uh, Ultimate Cut? Not the Ultimate Cut. I, I mean, I did see the um, the the uh, theatrical theater version. All right, so um, so Steppenwolf had a cameo in the excuse me in the uh, in the Ultimate Edition, and pretty much the Ultimate Edition made him kind of look away from uh, look how he looks in you know the way that what Jack Kirby envisioned him, but. Uh, the way that these toys are making him look, he definitely looks more like the Earth 2 version of the character. So mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to kind of see the the what they do with this character. And it's always um it's always interesting to to see how they kind of adapt these these characters to the to the big screen to fit budgets and and better, you know, flow cinematically. Yes, it is. Uh, I won't even talk about the way Ares looked in the end of Wonder Woman. Oh, gosh. I was like, guys, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I knew that was supposed to be the big swerve that caught everybody by surprise, but I was like, gosh. Really? But um, overall, I like Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman was a great film, and we're gearing up for uh, Spider-Man. Now Homecoming just dropped, and then you got, of course, War for the Planet of the Apes. And uh, and next year, Black Panther's coming out. Yes, it is. I'm really looking forward to that. Let's see what they do there. Great first trailer from that one, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. Great first trailer, indeed. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, what? I'm just. A, go ahead. I, I'm sorry. I was going to ask you something else, but you can continue. I'm. I'm just excited about what's going on in the world of 
comic book media in general, um, certainly in terms of movies and comic books, um, and seeing things that aren't necessarily part of the big two make it big. Because um, you're, I mean, you're seeing it with The Walking Dead, um, and uh, you're seeing it with uh, the movie Red. Yep. And Wanted. It, it's just real exciting and it's real um, encouraging for indie publishers like myself and others to know that, hey, the, the opportunities are there uh, for us and and some of the people that I, I uh, talk to online um, who are getting their opportunities to um, take their IPs to the next level in terms of uh, television and movies. So yeah, I think it's a real exciting time. It's the golden age, so to say, of uh, independent comics. And my my question would be, uh, as an independent creator, uh, who probably one of the most cliche questions asked: Who do you have as far as like influence on and that goes kind of stuff? Um. Artistically, uh, I have a, a few different influences. Um, Bill Sienkiewicz, uh he had a very loose style. And George Perez, who has a very tight, linear contour style. Um, and I, I'll just be honest, even Dan DiCarlo Jr., who did Archie. Yeah. Uh, I, I really like his stuff. I mean, everyone looks at it and you think it's really simple and really easy but there are certain nuances that are, that are almost on a master level of the way Dan DiCarlo does things in terms of perspective, in terms of and him and Sam Schwartz, who also did Archie, in terms of how he laid the joke out, in terms of because when you do like a loose, sketchy style of artwork, um, it's very easy to hide mistakes. But when you do like a line, a very strict contour style of artwork, and you make a mistake, it shows like a neon sign. Right. You have to be dead on it. Um, in terms of writing, I would say that uh, I really like Bruce Jones from back in the day. He did a series, uh, Kazar, yeah. back in the 80s. Yep. Um, because he uh, tended to focus not so much on the plots, but on the characters. And really developing um, relationships and backgrounds and what makes these people do what they do and why they think the way they think. And that's ultimately what I like to do. I like to focus on the characters. Um, I mean, it's, it, you, you need a plot there as well that's um, going to captivate people, but I want people to be able to invest in these characters, not, not even necessarily like them. But you kind of hook into them. That's something that makes you keep looking back at them. Um, and in that regard, uh, as much as I'm not a horror fan, to to give you another example, I kind of like Jason from Friday the Thirteenth uh, because he's not a he's not a difficult character to figure out. 
and you definitely don't like what he's doing. But how many Friday the 13th movies have been put out, and how many times do people keep going to see them? That's the point. You know, <laughs> you know, something about him has hooked people in. Okay, and and they, I mean, to the point where he's appearing in rap songs all the time, and <laughs> and um, yeah, it's just uh, the type of writing that makes you want to come back for more to give you a more concise answer. Whatever it is, even if it's not Shakespeare, something that makes you want to get more of this story or this character. That's that's a great segue. Like I, I want to know, I even know who is Darius Key is a one shot. Do you guys have any plans for him, kind of with the future? Because as we had kind of talked about when we had given you guys the review, it it leaves very open ended for the character's future. So do you guys see doing anything else with this character in, in the future? Um. It's interesting you ask that, because when I initially came up with the character of Darius Key, uh, the original ending was that once he got his protege trained up, Darius Key was going to die. And boom. But it, for writers, they'll understand this. Sometimes the, the story writes itself, and there's sometimes that what you think is going to happen isn't what happens. <laughs> And it didn't make sense for him to die, at least not at that point. So to answer your question, yeah, I he's going to appear again. I have plans for him to appear again. Um, and he might just appear in our other book, Miss Johnny. That'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Now, would it be? Yeah. That, would that art take place after? Who is Darius Key? Yes, it would. Uh, it would take place in the second story arc of Miss Johnny. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely gives that kind of like that more universe-filled feeling to it. Yeah, so you can have continuity from one title to the next, and and see how this whole universe kind of connects together and how these different characters interact with each other and if it, whether they like each other or whether they don't like each other. Um, because Miss Johnny is more um, kind of a straight-ahead, more traditional type of, I'm wearing spandex and I'm going after the bad, after the bad guy. And, and Darius Key is more paranormal, ethereal kind of, uh, a storyline and seeing how these two come together. Cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us hanging out this week. But where can people find Jericho online? Where can people get their hands on these books that we've been talking so much about? Okay. Um, well, first off, if you're interested in where you can find out information about us, there are a few different places you can go. Uh, our main website is jerichoprojects.com, which is J-E-R-I-C-H-O projects.com. Uh, that's our main site. You can go to our Facebook page, join it and like it. That'll be facebook.com forward slash Jericho Projects. 
And you can also go to Instagram. We're there. And just do a search for at, uh, at Jericho Projects on Instagram, and you'll get information there. Now, where to buy our books? Two places. Uh, first place will be IndiePlanet.com. And at IndiePlanet.com, you can get all the books on Miss Johnny just by doing a search on Miss Johnny. And you can get the Avoria book, the book right here. And that'll also be on um, IndiePlanet.com. And Darius Key is actually on Amazon. So if you do a search, who is Darius Key, you will be able to purchase your book of purchase purchase your book there on Amazon.com. All right, we'll have all those links for you guys down there below. So get involved with what these guys are doing. Uh, go support these guys. Pick up the books. Uh, but you guys can find us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, YouTube, and Instagram as well. Um, you guys also, too, we also have launched two other shows. Um, if you guys are into 90s nostalgia and want to... Uh, hear more about suicide prevention go check out the ps midnight cast and we also have reborn and remembered for all you dc fans out there uh but we are trying to start something bigger than just a podcast given the fact that suicide is such a big deal and that it is the 10th leading cause of death in the united states every 40 seconds somewhere someone somewhere somewhere in the world is taking their own lives so we want you guys to get involved with what we're doing how does that look? We have five ways for you guys to do what we uh, get involved with what we're doing. Share an episode on social media. Uh, everyone, almost everyone probably on the face of this planet has a Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook. Just share an episode. Let people know about all the great books, films, uh, and just music that were involved in this episode right here. But you're also letting people know that they are loved, that there is hope for them if they are struggling with suicide. And also gives them the education. Uh, you guys can rate, subscribe to us on Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, and YouTube. What this does is this pushes us further uh, with you know taglines. So if someone was to search indie comics or uh, you know photography, we have a better chance of showing up. So that allows us to do that. Uh, if you guys have ever struggled with suicide or depression or addiction, you guys want to come share your story for uh, Host Space Louder. Go to Facebook victimsandvillains.net slash contact you guys can also donate to us either on paypal or patreon and what this does is the money helps us get back on the road and do more conventions to actually educate people and let them know that there is hope and connect them with counselors and churches to really get them the breakthrough or you guys can book us for anything as little as a podcast to a live event and speaking of live events uh, we will be at the Philadelphia Podcast with our friends over at Dummy Comics this Saturday in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania at Amalgam Comics for the Philly Podcast Fest. We are returning this uh, at the end of this month, July 29th, for Hope and Coffee with Park, Dakota, Cade, and Pronouns. And not to mention, we'll also be at I Matter Fest up in Horseheads, New York on August 13th. So thank you for hanging out with us, man. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. 
we'll have to have you back, man. So we are leaving you guys this week with one of the Hope and Coffee artists. This song, this band is called uh, Park. Go check these guys out, and I promise you guys will not be disappointed. Uh, but until next time, we'll be back next week with our prod br- pod brothers over at the Retro Gamers for our Castlevania crossover. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Remember, keep talking nerd, talking hope, and speaking nothing else. We'll see you guys next week. You know I've been here before Sitting with you on your floor You had no margarita And I had no backbone To admit what I could afford Someone you can tell How bad you miss him Does he ever think of you When he's off in love himself I'm hanging on the end of your kite street, honey Watch you jump and fall as the breeze blows Watching things not go
Yeah, that was better, man. Yeah, that was better.